Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep this Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony, and apparently now I have to give consent to be recorded, Tom. I saw that. You got that same message, Julia? Yes. Yeah, from Zoom. I'm not sad about that. I think that's a a good thing, so you can't be tricked and have something used against I love tricking people. (laughs) oh boy how is everyone's week going it's been good it's the kids last day of school today i saw the pictures i love your before and after photos (laughs) i look forward to those every year you know just to see how much they grew to look at the door behind them and be like his head was right by this pain last (laughs) beginning of the year and now look at it he's taller that's a good idea. Yep. They're happy though. I'm happy. I love having them home for summer and it means vacation is that much closer. Woohoo! So, all good. What about y'all's weeks? Please, Tom, after you. No, no, I insist after you. Age before beauty. I assume that means that your youth before my dashing good looks. So I'll wait. um my week was okay let's see we're we're going back to the office september 7th oh you are uh employees are not happy about it and uh yeah so that was seeing all their anonymous questions posted has been fun um let's see what else i got my peloton today that was fun i did my first ride yeah, like a rock star too. Thank you, Julia. 60 minute. That's just bonkers. Well done. Thank you. We're going to do our Christmas rides every 25th, right, Julia? Going yes, we will. You might have to remind me it's the 25th because apparently my watch saying it's the 25th isn't enough. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but the highlight of my week was probably seeing the news that Hocus Pocus 2 is official next fall with the three leads coming back. Coming back. I'm and they excited. All seem, they all seem really excited about it from like their tweets and stuff. So yeah. I'm excited. Even though Disney's not reinventing the wheel, like <laughs> when they uh, <laughs> release their little synopsis, three teenage girls bring the Sanderson sisters back to modern times and have to... Uh, have to figure out a way to defeat them before they unleash a new havoc on the world. Like, okay, it's the same plot as the first one, but that it works. Uh, I mean, Disney, Disney can do the rebooting with no plot change really. And mighty ducks is proof of that. Yes. 
Yes. I just hope it's more Mighty Ducks than Girl Meets World. I like I have we've we've had this talk before. I'm very hesitant because modern day Disney would not do the whole black flame candle virgin lit it lean into jokes that adults could get but kid would go over kids heads and Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be too overly kiddie so we'll see how it happens Mm -hmm. I don't want it to fall into that sequel trap where it's like let's just rehash everything people loved about the first one so like let's have her come up with a reason for her to sing I put a spell on you again which you know is going to happen because that was the scene in the first one but you know what I mean I I don't want them to just rehash the same scenes again right Hmm. I don't know I'm more I'm more hopeful I think they can do it right I think they have the money behind it at least we have our Halloween movie for next year, right? I don't think there's going to be any debate about that one. No, we're definitely <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah, well, I mean, Tom can debate about anything. But speaking of Halloween, Funko, do you see all the cute Funko Pops for Halloween that fun- that they've been releasing? Yes. No. I the Danny one from Hocus Pocus looks cute, and I want Elvira <laughs> because Elvira, I love <laughs> oh, right. Elvira. Right. <laughs> And uh, some of the Disney ones look really cute too. Like the oh, villains. Dude, they have a, but the Billy one, the Billy one is funny. <laughs> yeah. Billy Butcherson. Yep. So also I booked two vacations for this year. So that was fun. Oh, where are you going? Well, my mom turned 60. So in October, dad is flying me and Sarah and my sister and her fiance and the two of them out to Aruba for a week. And then Ooh, uh, I so booked fun. my Christmas my christmas vacation for two weeks so to where and uh, end of the year just christmas vacation we'll probably oh, go to canada block the time out if we can um because still not open up there and then it still varies province to province but um hopefully we'll be able to do that but either way the time's blocked out so i'm excited that's so great it's such a good feeling when you get it on the calendar and it's like safe and it's you safe know, like you're reserved. I, I do it. I do it earlier each year. Last year, I waited till July. This year, it's like not even June. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How was your week, Tom? Um, my week has been pretty uneventful, but I did have all week to look forward to hanging out with both of you to talk the Vicar of Goodland. Hmm. You've been looking forward to this for a while and a half. I have. I really, really have. Are we ready to jump in? Yeah. All right. For those of you who don't know, The Vicar of Dibley is a British comedy starring Don French that had a run from 1994 until 2000. Um, well, technically 2020, they did a, a brief reunion last year, um, the in lockdown well, short series. Wasn't it the Bishop of Dibley? They still called it the Vicar of Dibley in the in lockdown. Okay. But, and they did an American remake that lasted one episode starring Kirstie Alley on Fox. Wait, hold the phone. They did. 
You don't want it to was, know about this, I promise. It was called The oh. Minister of Divine. The series starred Kirsty Alley as a former wild child who returned to her hometown as its first female minister. The pilot was broadcast on Fox in 2007, yep. but the series was not continued. The Minister of Divine? Yep. That sounds terrible. It does. I don't know how you Kirstie can look at the... At the genius of, of what Don French pulls off and think Kirstie Alley can even begin to, to touch that. Anyway. That anybody could. Oh. Right. I mean, America remakes things all the time, but yes, yep. I agree. So we'll or start do, with history. Or do I? Stop it. You do. We'll start with histories. Uh, and I'm going to go first because I think I have the longest history. Mm-hmm. I started watching this show back in 2004. Christine and I were poor newlyweds, so we just watched it on PBS, whatever episodes aired on Sunday on PBS. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a big hit. It was a big hit for me, and I was a big fan starting on day one. Julia? Um, no history. I'm not even sure that I knew it existed before Tom mentioned it. Um, and I wish it was still on PBS. I'm assuming it doesn't get any airplay on PBS anymore, which is sad. I don't know. And but Anthony, you watched it this week for the first time too, right? I knew of its existence. A lot of my friends over in England were big fans. I never watched it over there because I've said during the Gavin and Stacey episode, I'm not the biggest fan of British TV, just in general. Uh, due to low production values and you know whatever every time we've covered a British thing I feel like I've except the exception being Gavin and Stacey I feel like I've been down on it Um, it's just a cultural thing whatever works for some people most of the time it doesn't work for me Uh, so the first time I saw these three Christmas episodes was today Ooh, it's nice and fresh Yes. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your opinion about it. A friend of mine in the UK recommended when I was telling him we were doing this and talked about my love for this show that I watch Rev, which is uh, the misadventures of an Anglican vicar, his wife, and a small but odd group of parishioners in London that ran Mm. from 2010 to 2014. He said the first season of it was great. So I've got that up on my list to watch next. I would also recommend two two other British shows that I really did like. Um, Spaced, which they also tried to make. That starred Simon Pegg. Did it start mm-hmm. Simon Pegg? Yes. Uh, they tried to remake it as Mixed Spaced in America, which that never got off the ground. And The Mighty Boosh, which, Julia, if you like the... Do you guys like... Was it you who said you like Flight of the Concords? It was we both me. like Flight of the Concords, don't we? Okay, well, it's very like trip, trippy oh, and musical, and it's yeah. very reminiscent of Flight of the Concords. So I think, uh, Tom, you would like it then. We've been watching uh, Crying, uh, which is a British show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with it, where they tried to have a kid and then uh, didn't work out, and so now they're adopting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's really funny, but hits a little close to home for adoptive families. Just going to throw it out there. Uh, I like stuff that you're like that would never happen uh that's kind of what adoption's like oh i i would like to amend something i said about about my during my history about my 
distaste most of the time for British television shows. Normally extends to comedies. Dramas I can do. I just wanted to put that out there. And also speaking of Brits, uh, Idris Elba is going to, Idris Elba is going to be starring in a Christmas movie. Uh, which is exciting a diehard-esque 80s type action christmas movie so i'm excited for that muy muy interesante we've got a decent cast for this we're gonna go through cast first and then we'll jump into the show the cast the the show stars as i said don french as geraldine granger Everybody on this show, aside on this podcast, knows her best, aside from Vicar of Dibley for, quote, Fat Lady in the Painting. In Harry Potter Just and my voice. The second yeah. Fat Lady in the Painting, right? She didn't play the first one. I, I said Chamber of Secrets, right? Yeah. Well, it would be Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, I corrected myself. But there was the, the same painting had a different Fat Lady in a different movie. Well, the fat, they were completely different. Alfonso Cuaron totally redesigned the fat lady and cast a yeah. different actress. It's a completely different painting. So, really? Yeah. Also, the entrance to the common room was in a different place. I don't get me started on that film and Alfonso. One of my favorites. <laughs> uh, we also know her from, that wasn't her only foray into the iconic fantasy film. She was in the, the, New remake of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. She was Mrs. Beaver. Mm-hmm. She had a voice. Uh, in- I loved her in that Coraline. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. In Coraline, that movie's so she- underappreciated, by the way. Just saying. Mm-hmm. The whole series is the actors that they the actors that they got for that last run were just amazing. I'm interested to see what this new Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe seri- TV series is going to be like. Yeah, I mean, it has Netflix but, um, budget behind it, so it should be good. We'll see. So, and then she's done a lot of other shows that I'm not as familiar with. Favorite Dawn French? I mean, role? I mean, the films would be the Harry Potter films, but the role she played, I really liked her as Mrs. Beaver, honestly. I love that movie. This role. This role for me, too, 100%. The antagonist that she meets. Uh, you forgot to mention something you two have referenced a million times she was in. Oh, never mind. I take that back. What, <laughs> what do you think same, it was? Nothing. Yeah, the same title. It was just not. I and I, The date didn't make sense, so I should have looked at the date first. Never mind. What was that's, it? That's going in the blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What was it? It, it was Superstar. Oh, what did you think of <laughs> Saturday Night Live Superstar? Yeah, like remember they did the oh. movie, but it's, it turned out to be a UK uh, reality competition instead. So, <laughs> gotcha. A little different. Okay. <laughs> when the vicar arrives in Dibley, she is met by an immediate antagonist in David Horton, who is played by Gary Waldhorn, who is best known for the Vicar of Dibley. And also a series called Victory and Brushstrokes. Um, he was in a made-for-TV version of Robin of Sherwood, in which he played Robin Hood. But um, I don't know him from much aside from the Vicar of Dibley, which is uh, also when he left the world of acting. Oh, interesting. He is also the parish council president and uh, a minor political 
power, attempting to be a minor in political power within Dibley. His son, Hugo Horton, is played mm. by James Feet, who was in Four Weddings and a Funeral in Sense and Sensibility, as well as The Phantom of the Opera. He's, well, he had a role in Bridgerton. He played King George III. Are y'all Bridgerton fans? No, I haven't watched it. I'm not. There's only so Christine much crappy TV guy can take. Christine watches that one. I'm not a big fan either. He is in the Tracy Ullman show. Well, because Ullman we bathe show. in our virginity. We do. We do. We we really, really do. Two of us do. He's an Outlander. Uh, he is an Outlander. Do you watch that? No, I haven't watched it, but oh, I love I, the books. I was about to say, talking about bathing in virginity, you watched that? And- <laughs> no, I've never seen it, but um, but I love the book series. They follow, they adhere to the books actually pretty closely. Just, just Oh, so that's you know. good. Well, that makes me happy. I like it when they do it some justice. That's good. The love interest of Hugo Horton and future wife is Alice Tinker, played by Emma Chambers of Blessed Memory. She died in 2018, which made one of the jokes that David Horton made all the worse. Did y'all catch that? I know know Julia's favorite film of hers, Notting Hill, right? Yep. Um, Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking in, back through her other stuff. I love Notting Hill. She was in Notting Hill, the TV series Do You Want Me? Drop the Dead Donkey. She had a short role. She was, um, her roles, her her stardom, I would say, was definitely uh, found at the in the Vicar of Dibley. She died of a heart attack at 53. That's so sad. Yeah, she was she so born the same as my mom. Well, the tribute that Don French did for her was just heartbreaking. It was so beautiful. Yeah. It was, it was so, it was very moving. Then the other people that we, that this show focuses around are all the parish council and how (laughs) the band of misfits come together to be the parish council. I will never understand. Um, (laughs) I I have to say my favorite, like I have a hard time picking my favorite ancillary character because all three of these guys are are just so unique in their own way. Jim Trot, no, 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 no. Yes, <laughs> it's played by Trevor Peacock, um, who died earlier this year in March. Um, who uh, played Papa Claus in Fred Claus? He was in Neverwhere. Really? He did. Let's see, he uh, was in the TV series Waking the Dead. Dinotopia, he had a role on that, which- I loved Dinotopia. You and me both, friend, you and me both. Loved that. He's a neverwhere. Dorky librarian dinosaur guy. Yep. Speaking of, have y'all watched the new Jurassic Park cartoon? I That cartoon is surprisingly really freaking good. Really good. Ellie and I watch it together. It's so really good. good. Ellie, Ellie loves it. And it, I was afraid it's TV, TV seven. And I'm like, ah, yeah. I don't know. We'll give it a try. She's five. Yeah, it's fine. 
It's good for kids. She loves it's, it. Um, okay. It's good. It's good because Colin Trevorrow and Steven Spielberg are producers and go over the scripts yep. and stuff. Like so. Oh, that is good. Yeah. It's set uh, between Jurassic was- World and the next one. So. Okay. And then he has, he had small roles in TV shows over the years, like Growing Pains and Harry. As well as one that I've never heard of that I'm actually interested to go look up, which is called Merlin in the Crystal Cave. Have you all ever heard of that show? No. What's it called? Neither. Merlin in the Crystal Cave? No, I have not. So, um, sad, to, sad that he was gone as well. Uh, Roger Lloyd Pack plays Owen, a guy who likes to um, dabble with his <laughs> animals a bit too much. Which we will all remember him from Harry Potter as well. He played Barty Crouch. That's right. Uh, he did such a good job. Yeah. Yeah, he was one yeah. of those. I looked at him and I'm like, man, he's just vaguely familiar. And I looked him up and I was like, holy crap. There's, you're like, there's no way this was the same guy. Yeah, exactly. Very he's well also done. also on the, the, the Borgas, the old guys. He, he played an iconic Doctor villain Who? on Doctor Who. He played yep, John Lumick, who is a pretty big villain on that show. You all, you all heard of that Christmas Doctor Who episode that never came to be, right? That they were planning and they just never got scheduling to work. No. With J.K. Rowling. No. Uh-uh. It was supposed to be, she was supposed to play herself and, the, you know, they all they do the big Christmas episode. She's supposed to pay, play herself around Christmas, and basically some sci-fi alien thing was making all our creations come to life. So Voldemort, Dementors, and everything, and Doctor Who had to come and you know basically save London from all of her creations, like team up with her, what? which would have been awesome. <laughs> I mean that show's campy as it is, so I could have I would have bought it. Um, yeah. So he's done a lot of stuff over the years as well. Again, it's going to be a lot, probably a lot more familiar with our he's dead. friends across the pond. He is. Yeah. He died in 2014. Pancreatic cancer. <sighs> Frank Pickle, the secretary who is uh, of the parish council, is played by John Bluthall. Mr. Pickle. Uh, John his name he was in i know right <laughs> uh he also passed away in 2018 at the age of 89 he was polish not british which is interesting he was in the fifth element superman 3 spirited he was in that uh hail caesar movie from a few years ago he played the cohen brothers he was no he did not <laughs> <laughs> those are the directors i went one column too far he was professor marcuse he was in it <laughs> he was in a tv movie from 1974 that may get some attention here called charles dickens world of christmas uh, where he Ooh. later who's, a, who's charles yeah. dickens what's it what does he have to do with christmas <laughs> i don't know and <laughs> Last of all, because she did have a short, she had a short stint, but she was a really memorable character. Letitia Cropley, the town cook, is played by Liz Smith, who died in 2016. She was Grandpa Georgina in The Bed and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, which was a very disturbing 
the whole thing was just very disturbing to me. Yeah. Wait, the, the, the new one? No, the original. Yeah, with, no, oh, the original oh, was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. No, she was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the new one oh. starring Johnny oh. Depp. In Which I hate, I hated that film. But yes, Everybody the original, the original Julia scares the crap out of me. Still, the bed scene is weird in that one too. I always was just perplexed by the fact that you had four people that never got out of bed and they laid foot to foot, and how weird that was. And like and, the, and the fact that like Grandpa Joe was like a con man because he hopped out of bed perfectly fine <laughs> and able to walk the minute they got a golden ticket. All of a sudden, he's he, able to walk. No, he had he had to shake it off. The whole song was him oh, shaking well, off. Well, maybe he just sung that joints. song and you know tried to go out there and help his family a bit earlier. I love that original movie. So, how do we feel about them rebooting prequel to Willy Wonka? I don't stupid Chalamet. Stupid, not needed. No one asked for it. But if they're going to do it, Timothy Chalamet, I think, could be a good Willy Wonka. If he's got to grow into, um, what's his name? Willy Wonka. Gene Wilder is Willy Wonka. Yeah. They okay. have very Sorry. similar uh, looks, I think. Features. I think he, yeah. She was also in The Royal Family, a British sitcom. She played old an old woman in the 2005 Oliver Twist. She was the voice of Mrs. Mulch in Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. I love mm-hmm. Wallace and Gromit. I do too. I do too. She was in two different versions of A Christmas Carol, one in 1999 and one in 2000. So that may be a fun thing to compare and contrast her two Christmas movies. Mm. She was in the TV series, the TV made for TV movie Alice in Wonderland, as well as The Canterbury Tales. She was in The City of Ember, which was based on those books, and that movie did not do well. And didn't start a franchise like they were hoping. But uh, mm-hmm. did either of y'all see that or read the books? Uh-uh. Neither. So, but her acting career goes back to 1970s. So she's been around for a minute. So that's our basic cast. Now for this episode, we're covering three episodes of The Vicar of Dibley. So does she end up with Richard Armitage? Armitage, however you say his name. You're gonna need to watch The Vicar of Dibley. I'm not giving away. Oh any my gosh, I love him so much. I hope that's true. The first episode that we're gonna we're gonna get is one of the most famous episodes of The Vicar of Dibley, which is called the Christmas Lunch Incident. And in this, the vicar is still relatively new. She's been here just a little over a year. Her first uh, Christmas was lackluster for the parish. They said. Um, <laughs> They, they, there are some jokes about how she needs to get a better story, even though she's telling the greatest story ever told. Um, but everybody decides the vicar's alone. She's single. It starts with the, uh, the Frank and Jim are going to invite her over. They're going to make a big dinner and they're going to invite her over. And she immediately says, yes. Well, right after this, she's invited by the Hortons to come to theirs and she's trying to get out of it, but can't. Because David has, it's, it's cooking for the first time and he's trying to create this experience and she ends up getting guilted and she can't say no to him. She can't say no to the other guys. And later, Alice comes around and Alice is really, um, unfortunately, we learned in this episode, she's the brightest bulb in her family's box. 
because she talks about her, her sisters is not as uh, uh, with it mentally as she is, which is <laughs> laughable <laughs> in of itself. But she had told her mom that the vicar was going to come for Christmas. And her mother said the vicar would never come. And she's like, of course she will. She's my best friend. She wouldn't miss it. And so Geraldine is trying to get out of it. And she's like, and, and I just told my mom, if she didn't come, I would kill myself. So <laughs> we have the plot set now that Geraldine Granger has to have three Christmas lunches. And apparently it is, it is the tradition of, of the folks in, in Dibley to have a 16 vegetables at every Christmas dinner for whatever reason. And so uh, she shows up, first of all, she goes to have dinner with Frank and Jim and they have just this ridiculous amount of food and they keep feeding her, keep feeding her, keep feeding her. And then they bring her a giant pudding. Jim and Frank are doing this together because, but they're not, they're not together as a couple. They, they're very clear <laughs> to make known. Let's be very clear. Uh, uh, and so she is just unbelievably stuffed at the end of this. And then they bring her a giant pudding. Have y'all ever had pudding like that? No. Me neither. All pudding I've ever had is just in a bowl. I've had it. So, when you were living it, over there, I'm assuming. Yep. Is it delicious? Is it, it delicious? delicious? It is delicious. It looked delicious. It looked very delicious. Is it like a cakey outer and then inside it's like, mol I, I pictured like a molten lava cake. That's very similar to what, yes. Oh, that sounds delightful then. Are they that big? I mean, it depends where you go and who's making it oh, and everything, yeah. but where I want to go. <laughs> you want to go have dinner with these people? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, we should make so, note that in this episode, the character of Tristan is played by Peter Capaldi, famous yep. for playing Doctor Who. Yep. He's in the upcoming Suicide Squad movie. He's a big British name. Yep. Just wanted to throw that out there. Well, I'm glad you did. Once she has dinner here, then she tries running unsuccessfully <laughs> to David's. She gets there and they again have this, she has this huge plate. I mean, like huge. This is like an American size Olive Garden pasta plate, right? <laughs> this is not, this is not a British serving of pasta. And she finds out that's the first course. And she's like, oh, I don't think I could eat any turkey at the, after she eats it. And David says... Oh, of course not. Not until you've had the fish course. Oh my gosh. I would like to point so out that, that Olive Garden's Olive Garden's pasta is not really pasta either. Just saying as the Italian on this group. <laughs> it, 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 it's pasta. It's a large portion of something. I would not call that pasta. You may not like the sauce, but the noodles that they're serving are, in fact, pasta noodles. Debatable. <laughs> <laughs> now that should be a gift we sent let our <laughs> Okay. Do you know that when Man. people say pasta, all I think of is that place in San Francisco that you told me about forgot or no i had asked you for recommendations but then googled them myself and ended up at the place you were going to recommend and it was, it was like so kismet is so good it was is so good it was it like a little pasta company or something like that something like that i don't remember the name of oh, it man. but uh, it i can look, i just haven't been back in far too long yeah 
So she ends up, and the thing I love is we see the Christmas cracker tradition, which I didn't understand yeah. why they were all wearing the paper hats the first, when I saw this back in the day. Uh, I also want to say Christine can't watch this episode. So it just makes her physically ill to watch just the copious amounts of food she's trying to <laughs> fill in. And so you see this, the Vickers continually giving of herself. Um, oh, no, I'll tell you that a favorite scene. I've got so much to talk about this. I'm so excited. Uh, so she's at, she finishes up at the Hortons and um, then she's off to Alice's and for whatever reason, Alice is dressed as a fairy with wings. <laughs> and her mother is talking about, well, of course we wouldn't have, they, she says, oh, please tell me you don't have turkey. And she's like, of course we don't have turkey for Easter dinner. Like there's just the whole family. It's just, it's just ridiculous. So she ends up trying to nicely tell them she's already had two dinners. And Alice is like, she's, she's speaking, you know, a hypothetical situation. I was like, oh, if somebody came here and did that and told me they'd already eaten after we put all this this work in, I would just cry. And so um, <laughs> she has to eat. Oh, we skipped the part. During it. The reason Geraldine is, is even more stuffed is because um, the Hortons have an ongoing feud. Every year, David tells Hugo he can eat more Brussels sprouts than the guests. <laughs> And why this, this is, you talk about a, a weird flex, but okay, that's a really weird flex, right? Uh, and so it ends up becoming a thing where, where Hugo is again belittled. He's like, I'm just not as good as you, dad. And he's like, no. Nope, so you're bad. Just I feel so bad. Um, there's an ongoing, this is an ongoing theme yeah. with, uh, with the Hortons. So Don French is like, nope, I'm going to take you down. And so she is like stuffing her mouth full of Brussels sprouts. And these aren't the good looking Brussels sprouts, y'all. This is like broiled Brussels sprouts. Yeah. This isn't the, this isn't the cut and roasted Brussels sprouts where, you know, if you give me some, if you give me some good roasted Brussels sprouts, I will sit down and, and, and try to eat somebody under the table of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> but these just look nasty. Yeah. Are y'all Brussels sprouts fans? I am. I like. I like them in certain situations. Yes, if they're properly prepared. Roasted. Plus it makes me feel like a giant, this tiny one. Eating those cabbage? Yeah. Eating your baby cabbage? Yes. Makes me happy. Me too. That's how we get Ellie Dave. That's why she gets excited about it. A little baby uh, Same cabbages. thing with broccoli. She's, she's a giant trees. eating trees and it works. <laughs> so she ends up leaving Alice's and her mom's and she goes to <laughs> she, takes, uh, she takes a cab back home right cab across, the street. <laughs> across the street she's like well i gotta take my taxis here the taxi goes and it takes him longer to turn around to go back to Geraldine's house than it would have been walked but she's that exhausted she opens the door and says oh forget the bed tonight and just falls straight over and owen shows up yeah now when owen visited earlier she's he said he had to ask her a favor a question and she said, um, please tell me you're not going to invite me over for dinner. He says no. And she kisses him. Or as he says later, she snogs him. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he goes home and thinks about this and comes back and says, you know, I realized in your womanly way that was trying to get an invitation to, to eat with me. And she's like, no, it really wasn't. And he's like, but I understand. And then we find out Owen has spent Christmas alone by himself since what, 1973 when his uncle died. <clears throat> Yeah. And so he makes this when he gets to when he 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 guilts her. So she goes back to his place and um, which might I say, I would never go to this man's house, like <laughs> especially as a single woman by myself. Like 
uh, the question he had asked her earlier was if she he could skip the service because his favorite sheep swallowed a fish hook and he tried to rip it out and couldn't. Yeah. So he had to take care of that instead of going to Christmas service. Then she asks him to hear her sermon. She's having a hard time writing the Christmas sermon because there's all this pressure that it's kind of, you know, the big deal. Anyway, so she gets to his house. He's like, I, I know you're probably thinking farmers make a huge spread, but I just have a, you know, uh, don't expect anything. Opens the door and he's like, I'm just kidding. Here's this big, big, beautiful <laughs> display. And, and he's using trays, like tray covers, which I think is funny because I would never imagine that from Owen's character. Yeah, he would know that. <laughs> uh, but he lifts it up to show her the best part and he's cooked her what? Right. Right. And it is nasty looking. I mean, it is yeah, disgusting. It is. So you she ever goes home. I hate tripe. It is one of the few, few foods I have refused to ever try. I think it may be the only meat I've refused to try. It is so chewy. It is yeah. awful. I put my fork in it and I'm like, nope, this is not going in my, my, my mouth. Uh, it is a worse consistency than lingua. Like it is worse than eating tongue. Anyway, um, tongue has all the text, taste bud texture, so we won't. Let's not gross out our, our listeners. What? Oh. So she goes. Home, she gets home, and Alice comes by to check on her, and she's lonely, and feeling kind of you know sad. Um, so mm-hmm. Alice comes in to cheer her up. Then by the end, everybody from the town has come. All well, not everybody, just the uh, the important people. Yeah, and they're there to celebrate her and talk about how much they love her and how great she is. And it ends on a really sweet note. It does, except that she's in the bathroom throwing up or or having <laughs> diarrhea as they're toasting her, and they can hear her. And she can hear them. Which means- how bizarre! Her bathroom door has the feet cut out like a regular old stall. Is that a British thing, Anthony? I have never experienced that in anyone's house. That cannot be real. Like her feet were like hanging out. Like it was the most shallow water closet ever, ever. And I was like horrified in that moment. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, I would literally die. None of these people (laughs) have the, 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 the common decency to leave her house when she's obviously having great intestinal (laughs) distress, right? Um, So that really cracked me up. And that's where we end on a really sweet note with a toast being made to Geraldine. Yeah. Who uh, I feel it's important to note was not liked when she came. And actually uh, David on multiple occasions tried to get her removed because he didn't want a female, he didn't want to be an experiment for a female priest. Yeah. But by this time, everybody's come around to, to Geraldine. Uh, Let's go through favorite scenes and quotes. (laughs) I liked, um, Geraldine's idea of a perfect Christmas, like what she's looking forward to. It's not just the Queen's Christmas message, which is obviously a big annual thing in England. The Queen makes a broadcast on TV, but she's looking forward to seeing Jurassic Park as well. Jurassic Park. <laughs> yep. Uh, I liked, I liked, and it's pretty early on in the episode, so it kind of surprised me because no history with it didn't know what i was getting myself into i like when her little timer goes off to open all of her advent calendars and she's got like 50 of them <laughs> and then she's got mel gibson's picture on her wall i don't even know what that's about but i noticed it changed the throughout Christ. the episodes I'm oh because he, he like directed that or something maybe? okay I, don't know. I guess that would i can see that, that now. i mean I don't why know sean bean i figured it's just because he was hot 
She had the thing for Sean Bean. It comes up a couple times. I mean, I'm okay with that. She's got good taste, but that was so funny to me. And just her, I just love her character, like her laugh and her sassiness. And like, I really love this show. I really I love the love idea it. of a priest continually threatening physical harm against her verger. <laughs> What's a verger? I don't know if you, uh, they help keep order in the church. Um, okay. There was a time where they would have a stick and walk around and hit people when they were misbehaving. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'd really like to see those days come back. She said that a few times, and I was like, I don't know what that is, but I'm going with yeah, it. Yeah, it was a yeah caretaker attendant of the church. Um, I like during charades that Alice thought she was acting out something called Jars, but it was supposed to be Jaws. She <laughs> <laughs> was talking about this movie Jaws, and she has, a, she has a jar of spaghetti and a jar of mayo, and she's just standing there like, this is a movie, yes. And it's only one word, yes. She's like, it's Jars... I guess it's a movie where the jars attack people. <laughs> I like it when uh, I have the full quote here when she's um, ready to. Geraldine's going to practice her homily on or her sermon on Alice. And Alice says, I'm all ears. Well, I'm not all ears. I'm face and tummy <laughs> and legs and lots of other bits, including some rather private bits. I only let a doctor see, only he wasn't a doctor and he got arrested soon after. <laughs> and going back to the 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 all the advent the the chocolate advent calendars on the wall yes. the picture of jesus yes when she asks alice how many chocolate advent calendars is too many for one person and alice says oh i don't know i was gonna say 30 and Geraldine's like okay <laughs> i made it did you see the toy story one yes yes oh man that's so funny just like she's our people, y'all. She's our people. She's our people. Mm-hmm. We get along very well. I loved the um, the first Christmas lunch with Jim and Frank. Is just yep. so. I don't know. That's the one I would want to go to. Of all of them, that's exactly the the lunch I would want to go to because they're quasi inappropriate and just loud and just having like a great time and the joke in the cracker you know made them all laugh and it's just it was really great <laughs> it was she's just one of the guys uh i yeah. did like going back to to anthony's thing where he talked about she says uh geraldine says my highlights are going to be jurassic park the queen's speech written this year by ruby wax i believe and what about you and i said i'm totally excited for your first christmas sermon it's going to be an experience I'll never forget. And Geraldine says, Alice, my first Christmas sermon was last Christmas. And Alice says, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I do like them reading the jokes too. Huh. Oh! End of this episode was a very nice Linus moment. Yes, it was a very nice Linus moment. Everything about this one felt Christmassy. Everything. Yep. Including her her vest. Mm-hmm. Where on the back it has a picture of Jesus and says, it's my birthday. So one of the other things I want to bring out, I loved when uh, Alice has the kids singing and they just keep dragging out the <gasps> for a ridiculous <laughs> amount of time. It was really funny. And then Owen barges in. Oh, what's his line? on? I don't have the O in line. 
he basically comes in and says that that daft girl and her terrible brats were at his house so he had to hide until uh they left so he could come and then uh, he's like oh hello alice hello lovely children um, <laughs> and then geraldine decides to ask the kids question <laughs> apparently alice has been teaching them like at sunday school um and Geraldine asks them a few questions like, what's today? You know, why is today important? And they eventually get, you know, it's Jesus's birthday. And then she said, and where was Jesus born? And it, the first child says, in Dunstable. And she's like, Dunstable? Who told you that? And they all look at Alice and Alice says, well, my mom told me that Jesus was born in a Dunstable. And Geraldine says, in a stable, Alice. <laughs> oh, and the other thing we forgot is after she eats at a... Oh, and she has to be carried home on a tractor, right? And oh, no. have a bed <laughs> of hay. Right. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, so what do we want to rank this one, y'all? I'm going to pull up a ranking sheet TV episodes. I'm giving it an eight. Nine. Nine. Give this an 8.67. Julia, would you like to do winter? Once I grab a hoodie, hold on. You know, there's sometimes where we talk about being afraid, like, oh, is, are they gonna like this? I had not a single fear about you two loving the show. Even with Anthony, you were, you were, Setting, my, setting me up for a potential letdown. Okay. All right. So the second Christmas, was this a special? Was this a proper? This is a proper episode. Second Christmas episode was in the third season. Uh-huh. The Nativity okay. Play. And I noticed that one, each episode, there's only four coincide with the season, which I thought was interesting. Anyway, so this one is called Winter. It came out in 1999. And... Uh, <laughs> The synopsis for it, for Christmas, Geraldine plans to stage a nativity play in front of the church. David will play Herod, showing his kinder side, and Owen wants to be the king. Cue his Elvis Presley impersonation. Alice and Hugo play Joseph and Mary and amazingly learn to speak Hebrew. During the play, Alice goes into labor and gives birth, prompting the audience, prompting an audience member to declare it's the most realistic nativity play she ever saw. So, okay, when they're planning this when they're planning this and they're talking about what they're going to do differently and hugo says he wants jesus to come back and kick everybody's butt and turn a hateful <laughs> world into a nice world and they all they all get excited about it just made my day <laughs> yeah so she's trying to spice up the yearly nativity play or the yearly nativity the yearly christmas thing because you got to keep it fresh right you're going to lose your viewership i don't remember who planted that in her head probably da david it? horton yeah yeah he was like you gotta gotta keep things interesting if you want to keep your patronage up and so she legit starts to stress she's brainstorming all these ideas and alice comes over is this the one where alice gives her the early christmas present book spice girls I thought that was the first one. Maybe it was the first one. I'm having a difficult time keeping these straight. Um, I know, right? <laughs> anyway, so Alice comes over and in a very funny stroke of genius, because they don't happen often, she says, 
what is essentially like a walkthrough nativity, right? We have drive-through nativities here, like in the South and uh -huh. stuff. I don't know if they have those other places or not. Um, I haven't been many places, but that's kind of what it felt like, except instead of just driving through it, it was like narrated. And so she walked the whole town through the nativity experience. Um, she's obviously going to cast her friends because <laughs> that's what gives us some of the laughs. Um, so Alice is pregnant. So she's kind of a shoe in for Mary, even though um, the vicar's not interested necessarily in having her cast in such a visible role. And um, we as the audience knows immediately what's going to happen here, but that doesn't make yes. it any less funny when it does happen. That's right. She is egregiously pregnant. I mean, the woman is like freaking gigantic. And her, uh, sometime in between the previous Christmas special and this one, her and Hugo have gotten married and she's pregnant. So they're together and they show up for auditions as Mary and Joseph. And as hard as the vicar tries to not cast them as Mary and Joseph, they keep coming back with retorts that they can't. So she even's like, you know, Jesus was a carpenter and he brings in that chair and table that he had fashioned that morning. And then she's like, well, you don't even know Hebrew. And they start to speak Hebrew <laughs> and it is so funny. It really is. Um, so then we have Owen who wants to play a wise, like a king. And he comes in with his interpretation of a king, which is Elvis Presley. Very funny. Um, Pickle comes in with his interpretation of a king. And what is he? Oh, he's the one that was out in the lobby and was dressed up like Martin Luther King Jr. But we never see him. Right? Yeah, because Owen and says, then... Frank is next. And she's like, oh, please don't tell me he's dressed like Martin Luther King. And he's like, <laughs> Well, we'll have to get back to you. <laughs> and then the stutterer, um, Jim, he comes in dressed as, isn't he Billie Jean King? Yes. Yes, he's dressed as Billie Jean King and for their interpretations of the everything. King, which is very funny as well. Um, Gary's character, nope, David's character um, is immediately a shoe-in to play Herod because he so terrible sometimes and he has this whole spin he wants to put on it like what if Herod told the people you know go kiss the children and they just misinterpreted it to kill the children <laughs> and that's very funny as well um yeah, all of this don't have that a whole slaughter <laughs> of the innocents as part of an activity play no like they got kind of huh not that they they don't spend a lot of time on his story but I mean, it's definitely part of it. Um, so I'm trying to think if there are any side stories that I'm missing. It's mostly just the casting of the play, mm -hmm. the practicing. This one had a slower start to me. Like I wasn't, I wasn't immediately hooked in this one. And I, it took a little bit for me to get into this one. And I was like, this is going to be my least favorite of the three. Definitely. Um, uh, until you agreed. get to the nativity part yeah did you get that sense too yep but like once i started like casting alice as mary and stuff you knew like the nativity was going to blow up and yeah. you know it's one of yeah. those it's a comedy of errors right? that's right that's right um the vicar herself plays the angel in 
in the play and as well as the narrator. So she kind of does that dual role. So we get to the nativity play night. Um, Alice is feeling a little interesting and we all know exactly what that means, but she, uh, she is passed off as just being nervous by the vicar because the vicar is consumed with the quality of the play. And so we get that, um, we get that familiar trope right where you've got the person putting on the Christmas thing whether it's Christmas dinner or the family coming in for Christmas or the nativity in the sense that loses themselves a bit right and forgets the real meaning of why we're there so we've got that brewing brewing then we have the nativity and the whole thing is very funny her as an angel is so funny to me and Jim as the innkeeper um Owen as a shepherd and then a wise man like all that stuff very funny um, it all culminates in the actual manger scene that's not in a cave. Tom, is that a problem? I know, I know. I know. I it chuckled was a though. I know Anthony did too. <laughs> I'm sure that Anthony was like. I did chuckle every every time we cover something and it's a stable or anything like that, a manger, anytime I immediately think to Tom. Four, year, four years into this podcast, every time I'm watching a movie alone, not for this podcast, and it's a manger or stable or that saw away in a manger comes on the radio, I think of Tom and I laugh and I laugh and I laugh. Manger is fine. Manger is the feeding trough. It's the, it's the wooden 14th century wooden European stable. It does. Uh, <laughs> it does. So, um, but you have poisoned that well for me, Tom, because now every time I do drive around town and <laughs> see the nativity scene, I think to myself, damn it, this is uh, darn it, this is not historically accurate. <laughs> just don't think that, just think, I wonder who that kid is that was born in the 14th century in a European. I don't know who you're worshiping. <laughs> who that little. <laughs> How has uh, that been turned into a sticker yet? We have so many that good running gags that should be stickers. <laughs> That must be a sticker. Um, okay, so we get to the main oh, part of any nativity. No, what were you gonna say? No, no, it's after this, go ahead. Oh. So we get to the main part of the nativity and Alice is not doing well. So she's laying in the manger or she's laying in, in the hay and Joseph is there next to her and he's like man she is like really acting her heart out because she's doing like Lamaze breathing and she's making the grunting noises and I think it's Jim it's Jim that kind of gets down head level with the action and it's my favorite quote and I like legit guffawed laughed he says Jesus it's coming and Owen goes no you've got line wrong it's what does he say it's coming jesus or something like that i totally butchered it but it's like legit the funniest line in this entire episode and the baby is coming and they all kind of have that moment of realization right like what are you talking about oh and they see it and then the vicar is like why what is like you're acting your hearts out but like what and then she sees it and she's like oh gosh and so they proceed to help her deliver the baby right here in front of everybody. And people are amazed and awed at how realistic this nativity scene is. Um, and we get this wonderful end of episode scene where they're all huddled around the baby in their costume, even Herod, because Herod is now a grandfather <laughs> in the situation. And um, it's wonderful and it's so atmospheric and it feels it felt so Christmassy to me. 
Oh, I like that I, I, when uh, when she's getting ready to give birth. There's a they ask for a doctor, and somebody's like, "I'm a vet," and David's like, "There's no way my grandchild is being born by a, is, is being brought into this world by a vet." <laughs> I just wanted to second what you said, Julia. Um, just reiterate: after a slow start, this was a slow build up, but by the end, like I was feeling all the Christmas. I was in a Christmas mood by the end. It gave me all the feels. Yeah, I loved Frank's beard. Or uh, Jim's beard, how long it was. <laughs> it was and they so it for the baby. <laughs> oh, and it, when Alice is going to name the baby, she wants to name it after Geraldine. <laughs> she's name the baby Vic. Vic. <laughs> and she's like, well, he goes, oh, you know, like, my, my, my first name is Geraldine. She's like, oh, I like that more. Yeah. <laughs> I liked when Geraldine said, now, Alice, you're single, a virgin, and yet pregnant. And Owen said, that, mystery, that happened to my cousin, Stally. Someone said, no, it didn't know it. And Owen says, yes, it did. She gave her three times, but she never even had, she never ever had sex with the man. Just says, except me. Frank says, and me. And Owen says, and me, if I'm honest. <laughs> I also like when they're, when they're opening up the, the nativity play, the nativity at the, at the manger. I'll be slaughtering Daisy here tomorrow. So do order your Christmas beef after the show. The thing that impressed me the most about this episode is the whole, uh, you know, pregnant woman actually playing Mary and then giving birth is so tropey, right? Mm -hmm. And I love when something is funny enough and so well-written enough that despite the fact they lean hard into those tropes, it's still entertaining and doesn't make me roll my eyes. Because at first, to your point, Julia, at the beginning, starting off slow and everything, and like I said earlier, like, oh, I roll, I did roll my eyes when they said she was going to play Mary. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. I know where this mm-hmm. is going to go. It's going to, cl- she's clearly going to go into labor, but mm-hmm. they did it in such a good way and a fun, funny way that while it was actually happening, I wasn't rolling my eyes or like scoffing or like seeing it a million times. Like, so mm-hmm. that's a credit to the writing of this show for me. Yeah. I like, is she talking to Frank when Frank says, oh, she was good talking about Alice? And Geraldine says, yes, very convincing. And he says, I was good, wasn't I? And she's like, no. <laughs> and I like that at the end, I like when, when he does give the order as Herod to kill all the children, he tells them to kill them gently or kindly. And throughout <laughs> the episode, he's giving kids candy. <laughs> well, I guess she rides in on a lawnmower. She's like, cause the donkey ran off or something like that in dress rehearsal. So she's on a lawnmower. Just in general, a note about the show, it does make you want to, like it does. When I viewed all three of these episodes together, it made me be like, man, that would be a fun little small town just to run all these eccentric personalities and like be part of this little uh, extended family that's formed in this town. Like, oh, it would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing, I love when they're continually trying to give the vicar her lines when she's pausing for dramatic effect, and she's like, I'm a vicar, I know Jesus was born. Uh, oh, and when when uh, Jim forgets his lines, and Geraldine's telling him uh, the end, you know, he's like, we're fully bo- booked because of the millennium. And um, Alice says, I'm great with child. And Frank forgot, and she leans in. Uh, Geraldine leans in and says, "In that case, I have a stable you can use." And Frank says, "In that case, the vicar." Or Jim says, "In that case, the vicar has a stable you can use." <laughs> She's been. I also really like when they're talking at, uh, and 
Alice says, the thing is, I'm a bit worried about this giving birth business. And Geraldine says, oh, she said, I watched a video of a birth last night and it looked really horrible. I don't want my baby birthing through my stuff. <laughs> Geraldine said, was it called alien by chance? That's right. I did love She's that so quote. earnest when she answers. She's so funny. Alice She's, is so, that's right. Oh. Uh, I also like when they're talking about this story and um, Owen's like, well, I just don't think it is the greatest story ever told. <laughs> and they, they get around talking. There's the one about people who were burglared who thought the robbers hadn't taken anything. Then they developed their photos and found photos of the robbers with toothbrushes up their bottoms. <laughs> and Geraldine was like, so you think I should write the second greatest story ever told? And then they said, yes, a man got out of a car and his wife and his wife heard banging on the roof. The police said, get out, get out and don't look around. But she did look around and it was a lunatic banging her husband's severed head on the roof. Crap, I should just write one of the top 10 stories, top 10 stories ever told. <laughs> they just keep going on and like talk about Jackie Collins, newsroom, Southeast local stories and Beatrix Potter. I am um, watching these. It goes back to what we were talking about with Gavin and Stacey, right? Like, I love the whole tradition that British TV shows have of doing a specific Christmas hour-long episode of any show, whether it's yeah. in season or not. And they air Christmas night. Like, normally American shows, nothing new will air over the holidays, ever. And this airs Christmas night. And I wish American shows would do that. Like, yeah. by the time 8 or 9 o'clock rolls around, you're home. You're coming down from the day, like it's just, just nice to put the Christmas tree lights on and watch like a new Christmas themed episode of one of your favorite shows. Like I really yeah. wish they would do that here. It's like the perfect thing to do with your family. I mean, it's like, oh, I wish they did that. That's a real missed opportunity. Yep. And I love that the UK brings back shows that have been long over and continues to do it. Like, oh, yeah. so many shows America could do. Anyway. Yeah. I love the joke sections at the end where uh, it, that's that's the thing with all the episodes where Geraldine and Alice are sitting and, and Geraldine tells her a, a joke. So uh, the one at the end of this is Santa goes to the doctor and Alice says, oh dear. He says, doctor, I think I've got mince pie stuck up my bottom. And Alice says, I wonder how that got there. So the doctor says, okay, Mr. Claus, bend over. Oh yes, you have a mince pie stuck in your bottom, but you're in luck. I've got some cream for that. And uh, Alice and, and, and Geraldine said, you see, it's cream for the men's pie. <laughs> you mean he's going to take it out and eat it? No, he doesn't have that, that, That's not hygienic. No, he isn't because it's a joke. <laughs> she says, doctors, what are they going to do next? Take out our append appendix and have it with bacon and egg? <laughs> oh, it was good. The Linus oh, moment in this one wasn't as strong for me as the first one, honestly. No, it's not. But the vicar realizes why she's there, and she, what she has lost sight of, she gains sight of again. Yep. But definitely not as, as strong as the first one, and I would argue neither are as strong as the third one. The Linus moment, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, this one's coming in for me at a nine and a quarter. Yep, 9.4 for me. 
I got a 7.5. I like the first one better. That gives us an 8.716. So it's the first comes in above the first one. And now, Anthony, do you want to do our Christmas special, which is a a retrospective 10 years later? You can do it, Tom. No, go ahead. I did the other one. You, I, I want to hear. I want to hear your take as you go through it. <laughs> you might not like my take. This is my least favorite of the three. Why is that possible? I didn't. That doesn't mean I didn't like it. It's just not. I like the other two better. But oh, please, please. This one's a solid ten for me. Spoiler alert. <laughs> There's Aldo. I do love the plot line. <laughs> what they're talking about who they would sleep with if they were gay Rachel after seeing Rachel in the parish she, she started telling everyone the vicar was gay <laughs> why, why, why don't you do this one I think you're going to do just fine <laughs> <laughs> so what is this this is like the 10th uh, Geraldine's 10th Christmas in Dibley, right? As the vicar. 2004. And <laughs> as a celebration, the town is like seeing who can write the best Christmas, <laughs> Christmas carol. <laughs> Which all I could think of with the one that wins is the last episode that we covered. Like, anyway, go ahead. Um, <laughs> okay, so there's an anniversary play- party plan for the for Geraldine, but and um, Ger- uh, David invites the Archbishop Rowan. Rowan. Anyway, my favorite plot line. Sorry, Archbishop Rowan Williams. Uh, I do need to correct something in this um, as we're going. The vicar uses the wrong stole when she's intoxicated, and I want to correct that. They put a green stole on her. And in the West, green is the color of ordinary time. In the East, green is the color of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. In the West, they would she would be wearing um, since this is this. I don't know if this. I don't know if this is Christmas or, or the uh, a series of service in Advent. During Advent, she'd be wearing a purple stole, and at Christmas it would be oh. white. But if she was in the East, Christmas um, would be white, but uh, uh, Advent is red. So. There's some liturgical color background for you. Hmm. And that's I'm the, telling the you theology minute, with the, Tom. That's the 15 minute uh, skip speed, uh, skip button that all of our listeners found for that so, little. So when Rowan, uh, the archbishop's in town, Geraldine plans to discuss her promotion. She's up for a promotion, right? She wants to discuss her promotion. She doesn't know he's coming to town. That's a surprise. Okay. But she, she, David was encouraging her to apply to be, um, to to work uh, in at the Archbishop with the Archbishop of Canterbury in Canterbury, and told her she she went to he went to college with uh, Sir <laughs> Rowan Williams, uh, which I don't know if you know this. He is a, an absolutely phenomenal theologian and one of my absolute favorite contemporary writers. Just gonna say, just saying. If you are looking for some good reads. I recommend any, just about anything by Father by uh, uh, Bishop Rowan Williams. So I'm just co- I'm covering this plot first, right? So at the 
yeah. at the anniversary party, she, she ends up in the giant chocolate fountain and emerges to come face to face with the archbishop who came to the party to surprise her. And of course, she thinks she blew the promotion. So what does she do? She gets bombed completely <laughs> and, and delivers the most amazing midnight like Christmas yes. sermon mass and <laughs> oh man I loved it I would love to witness something like that at Christmas mass one day like how amazing would that be you sit down <laughs> and your your priest or deacon or vicar whoever is just totally bombed well but, you know since it is a time to reflect uh and remember uh and participate in the birth of Christ a very solemn and life-changing event when the the God and creator of the universe became incarnate for humanity's sake. As St. Athanasius the Great said in, in, on the incarnation, God became man so that man may become God. Uh, yes, let's go ahead and belittle that experience with an intoxicated and irreverent vicar. No, no, I'm with you. No, let's, let's really hope for that one day, Anthony. <laughs> All I'm saying personally, I would like to go, I would like to go in a reverential tone and remember the cosmic mystery of the incarnation. But if you would rather see some sloshed hash, sloshed uh, uh, clergymen stumbling around, by all means, I hope you have a wonderful Merry Christmas, Anthony. Oh my God. Remind me to celebrate anyone's birthday with you. Uh, there's a difference between a birthday and the, and the birth of the incarnational God. All I have to say is, happy birthday, Jesus. Sorry, your party's so late. <laughs> okay, but oh, <laughs> while this is all going on, so Rachel is coming into, is coming into town. Well, first. They don't first, know this. They don't know this. So, so first, so Alice and Geraldine are talking about essentially who would you sleep with if you were gay, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you can you please please make sure you tell Alice's and her rationale? Please tell me you've got. <laughs> I don't have that quote. You have the okay. quote. Alice said she would want to be with the queen. She was like, choose the queen. And uh, Geraldine's like, what? And she's like, yeah, think about it. Every time you go to the post office and they give you a stamp, you look at the picture of the majesty and you can say, I had her. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) it's not bad rationale. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's not wrong. I mean, bonus points if I get to wear the crown. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Nothing else. Exactly. Um, so, un- unbeknownst to them, Rachel was coming into town, correct? It's a surprise. But what happens is... It's an accident, right? She's just going through and she needs somewhere to get ready for this. And, and what happens is she gets ready at the vicarage and Alice spots her half naked getting getting ready. And because she had no idea this is she was going to be in town, she thinks Geraldine is in a gay relationship with Rachel and is hiding it from her. So she, she informs her. Well, 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 the way it happens is, is they had talked about this and, and, and Geraldine had made comments about like what she could learn from Rachel's curves while they were looking at a picture of her. And... Um, 
Geraldine had said that she and the verger had been talking about Rachel, but doesn't go into detail about how dirty they were. And so when Rachel comes out, she's just in her underwear and she's talking to Alice, right? And, and she says, the vicar told me what you were talking about, what you, you'd like to do. Just so you know, I'd be up for it any time. And Alice is just mortified. <laughs> <laughs> Alice informs the parish council that Geraldine is gay. <laughs> Because she mistakes, you know, she thinks she was hiding this half-naked woman at the vicarage and having a secret. So she came out of Geraldine's bedroom, right? Yeah. Oh, when, when Rachel was leaving, remember she was talking with the guy she's with. She's like, "Lovely vicar, obviously gay." Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna pass the baton here to Julia. How does this all come together at the end? With your, uh, with what you say is the best linest moment of the three episodes, in which Tom agrees with you. With. Well, so the vicar has had her embarrassing incident uh, with Midnight Mass because she's totally sloshed and like that whole scene is just, the whole progression of that scene is just hilarious. So funny. So she's at home and she's sulking a bit, um, but uh, don't they all just show up? They do. I think Tom's frozen. Okay. Oh, no, I think me? he was just. You were no. frozen. Oh, I said, yes, they did. Okay. They all so, come to her place like, like they want to do. Right. Like they did in the first one. Um, so they all show up and um, really it's, um, what's his name that brought her there in the first place? What's his name? Horton. I closed the wrong Horton. thing. David Horton. Yes. He, well, they, she had asked, they had asked her, he had asked her what she wanted. She could have anything she wanted and money was no ob object. Yeah. And she said, Oh, I want a car. And he's like, not that expensive. And she's like, uh, how about a, you know, widescreen TV, not that expensive. And then she ends up mentioning that she wants, he, he wants to get her this leather bound illustrated Bible, which <laughs> I will say when you're clergy or religious, everybody gives you Bibles. And, uh, so just FYI, if you're trying to get a gift for a clergy person, don't yeah, give them Bibles. They have plenty. They have plenty. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, so she says she wants this. This well now I have gift. to now I have to return my Christmas gift to you this year, Tom. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> so yes. So they. Uh, she says she wants this this reindeer that she wants to put on the porch, right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. And so as they're all trickling into the vicar's residence, um, David sees that somebody else got her the amazing or it's they team up uh jim so, and owen and frank all work together and get her the deer that she wanted so bad and david had gotten a much smaller less expensive one and starts to feel some major gift remorse and so decides to send alice home to fix it and just get something else, wrap it, wrap it and bring it to the vicars. And so they all show up and they're, you know, telling the vicar how much fun she brings to town, all that stuff. Anyway, Emma shows up. No, Alice shows up with a very large wrap present and vicar's like, what is this? And he's like, well, that's the extra present that we work together to give to you for all of your 10 years of service and 
You mean so much to us. Does he say the nice things before she opens it or after? Both. Both. Okay. So the funny bit is she opens the gift and it's actually his very, very expensive priceless painting from his home that he loves very much. And he was not expecting Alice to grab that and wrap it. So it's a funny look on his face, but what is so heartfelt is when he tells her, um, you belong here and we need you here and you do fit right in and your life was not a waste in this town at all. Um, because, because the whole big... episode, she's questioning it, right? Because so... she's, he told her at the beginning of the episode, like, it's really pretty shocking. You never moved up because you totally could have. Um, yep. And that kind of plants that seed. And so during the episode, we see that she's kind of like doing the paperwork, so to speak, to apply for a position outside of Dibley, you know, um, that would really be a step up in her career, so to speak. And so she's got these mixed feelings the whole episode. So, so Tom, was this still final? This was their, this is like the last episode they ever did, right? No, they've done. Oh, uh, wasn't because it's It did feel like a very good like series finale. Yeah, no, they did more after this. Okay, and they've also done a reunion with Richard Armitage. Yeah. Apparently, it, am I the only one? The did did one you get series Richard finale Armitage. vibes though? Like, I felt like this whole ending gave oh, yeah. a very series finale type. Well, they got I a few series finales. Christmas specials just felt in general. Yeah. I mean, they, they brought this one. This one was actually not like a, this one came five years after summer, which was the last like original series run. So this is five years later, they come back and then there's another, there's another special after this. And then there's the 2020 specials. Got it. Got it. Got it. It's a wonderful. And I love this episode. Mm -hmm. I love this episode. I love how important they make her feel. I love mm -hmm. the fact she gets a she accidentally gets a hundred and twenty two thousand dollar painting. I love where we get to see the beginning. This is the opening scene where they're talking, and uh, the Hortons come in late, and David says, "I'm sorry, uh, we're late. We had family business." And Owen said, "Well, what was it? What was the family business?" And uh, he'd already said item one. And then Hugo says, uh, dad had to put the house in my name. It's a tax dodge. <laughs> Out of this, for some reason, they all decide to vote on how they feel about the tax dodge. And David's like, it's a le <laughs> legitimate tax avoidance. And then Owen says, all, of, all opposed to the legitimate tax avoidance. And everybody raised their hand. Uh, all who think that the legitimate tax avoidance is just a fancy way of saying tax dodge. And everybody except David raises their hand, including Hugo. I thought that was kind of funny. So can I explain why this one ranks lower for me than the other two? If you feel the yes. need to. Talk I do feel the need to. I feel, but, right. like, but like, uh, I do like it. Don't get me wrong. But this one, while the other two, I felt like had more of an emphasis on the holidays. This one was more on her anniversary. And that deducted points for me. This okay, one felt nice. more set at Christmas to me than the other two did. I can see that. Yeah, the thing I like about it is I feel like there were more Christmas decorations and things in the background in this one than the other ones. Like we see the trees behind them at the parish council meetings. The town just felt a little bit more uh, Christmassy. But I see what you mean. Like Christmas was less of the focus except for, yeah, that's what you mean. This one made me laugh the hardest. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. When she's at that chocolate fountain, she says, I'm going in. Oh my Lord. <laughs> it, it can't, it can't be stopped. I just can't, cannot. Oh, I mean, I, I, like I said, I love the subplot with, with Rachel. That just made me laugh so hard. <laughs> it was funny. And not just because it was a half naked woman. It was tactful. I didn't really think that until you brought it up. And now I'm back to thinking you're a pervert. <laughs> so I already said I give this one a 10. It's a nine for me. I'm going to 7.25, which gives us an 8.75, which puts it highest. So Merry Christmas, winter, and then the Christmas lunch incident. That's but at the end of the day, are there any of these you wouldn't rewatch? No. No, I would watch all of them again. Yeah. It's just, uh, this show's amazing. It's a great show. So y'all, I uh, there was a piece of Christmas movie news that broke this week that we didn't cover at the beginning of the episode. Did oh, you see who has uh, is coming back to acting to, st- to star in a uh, Netflix original Christmas film? Randy Quaid. Nope. Oh, I don't Ew. know. That was my guess. Lindsay Lohan. Oh, I saw oh, that. Good. Yeah, I saw good. that. In this new movie, Lohan will play a newly engaged, spoiled hotel heiress who gets amnesia after a skiing accident and finds herself in the care of a handsome blue-collar lodge owner and his precocious daughter in the days leading up to Christmas. Sounds hallmarky. Sounds Lohanny. Yeah. I'll watch that. I like Lindsay Lohan. I feel bad for her life. I think she seems like a cool person. Hmm. I like Parent Trap Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, I, I like feel like Lohan too. I feel and, and tragic this tragic draw to like her and Britney Spears, like these childhood actors who were so messed up. I don't know. I feel bad. I uh, do y'all remember the SNL Harry Potter skit with Lindsay Lohan? No. Where she played, where they came back from summer at Hogwarts, and she played, um, you know, Hermione after she hit puberty, essentially. So oh, they had no. her. <laughs> so all the like Harry and Ron and like everyone was like, "Whoa, Hermione!" It was pretty funny. But Tom, where can they let us? Where can our listeners let us know about the Vicar of Dibley? Tell us how much you love the Vicar of Dibley at tisthepodcast.com slash Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook group. We've got the all of these places for you to tell us. If you haven't seen the Vicar of Dibley, I'd love to know your first your initial thoughts. Uh, yeah have a conversation with us let's chat and if you want additional content uh the man behind the additional content can give you information about what that looks like <laughs> we have a patreon tisapodcast.com slash patreon or patreon.com slash tisapodcast lots of stuff up there you'll get an episode every week through june i recorded lots of fun stuff with lots of fun people when Julie gets back from vacation, we're going to be recording our holiday episodes for the Burr months, so mm-hmm. we're not uh, scrambling last minute as we always do. What? <laughs> so Anthony will be breaking out that metaphor- metaphorical uh, whip there and uh, yeah. schedule trying to schedule everything. But yeah, please don't bring out your real whip. None of us want to see that again. Again. <laughs> 
Anyway, lots of good stuff on I'm Patreon. Sorry, that hat, that hat, those chaps and boots just made me very. Oh lord! Right? It was a Halloween costume, Tom. <laughs> anyway, it was in March. <laughs> anyway, if in addition to our Patreon content, which is loaded and very diverse in terms of content covered up there, we every Thursday. Uh, a new chapter of the Christmas book I wrote is dropped in your feeds, read by an awesome listener or Christmas podcast host, including my awesome co-host here. And uh, that's been really fun. So check it out. And if you want to help the show in a free way, but don't want to subscribe to Patreon, leave us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. Or anywhere you may listen to your podcasts. Take reviews anywhere. Yep. Tell uh, us how. Tell us how we're so innocent and bathe in our virginities. And no, we prefer the truth, which is the truth. Anyway, <laughs> you're like well, that, is true, but that's that is the truth, right? Is that what you're trying to say, Anthony? Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you and talk to you uh, in all the places. Uh, what are we covering next week? I know we're all a little we're a little off now, right? Christmas in Wonderland with Todd Killian. So if y'all hate if y'all hate Christmas in Wonderland, blame Todd of Christmas Clatter because he picked it. As he likes to say, June is Todd month, and he picked that one. So Todd month, not the Todd. Todd. Todd, Halloween's not till October, man. Just saying. Oh, this is that one with Patrick Swayze in it. Yes. All right. After that, we'll have a week break while Julia's in Disney. But maybe we'll pull an old Patreon episode and drop it just so you'll have content. So. Yeah, we'll do something. Anthony, I may get on a rant about something or another. <laughs> you know what I'm not going to rant about the fact that it's 4,848 hours until Christmas yeah or the fact in other terms it's only 202 days that's like 30 or 29 weeks right y'all 28 you were close, so close. this whole thing is throwing me off that's it's 28 weeks right it is. Yeah, man. Merry Christmas. Crazy. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> <laughs>